0: And today is uh, the first part of really what's a, a three-part section in Judges uh, that surrounds uh, a man named Gideon, uh, a man named Gideon. I don't know if you, any, you've all heard of this man named Gideon. Uh, in Gideon, uh, we're going to see fragile faith. We're going to see fragile faith. We have fragile faith, do we not? We have fragile faith, but... We don't have a fragile God, right? So that means there's a problem. (laughs) There's a problem. There is this giant gap. There is a giant gap between us and God. There is a giant gap between us and God and between His desire for our obedience and our response to Him. There's a giant gap there because of sin. Because sin separates us from God. It wasn't always like this. In the Garden of Eden, our relationship with God was perfect. It was created just as it was supposed to be. And then sin came into the world and it just created a gulf between us and God. And now there's a giant gap between us. Now, one of the goals of our walk with God is a strengthening faith that leads to greater obedience to God and His commands and His call on our life. And we do this by becoming more and more like Christ. The more we become like Christ, the more strength we have and the more obedience becomes a reality in our lives. And it all comes from Jesus, not our own strength. So if we're honest with ourselves, (laughs) we're a complicated mess. (laughs) I learned about myself in this scripture. I'm a complicated mess. Don't be fooled by, you know, we're up here on preaching and all that stuff. Don't be fooled by that. We're all a complicated mess when it comes to faith and obedience. Really, there's, you know, I was thinking about this, there's There's two kinds of people. You know, you got your toe dippers and you got your cannonball kids. Right? Remember, as a kid, as a kid at the pool, you know, maybe you were a toe dipper, you know, you're just t- tipping your foot in the water first and looking around to make sure anybody sees you and checking the temperature and Maybe everybody's screaming, go, jump, jump. You're like, no, I don't want to get my hair wet. Jump. No, it's the deep end. Jump. No, there's too much chlorine in the water. Jump. No. And then while you're dipping your foot in the water, behind you comes the cannonball kid. Bombs away. Guys, when it comes to faith and obedience, we want to be the cannonball kid. Do we not? No questions asked. I'm getting in. I'm getting in the deep end. We want to be the cannonball kid. Jesus was the cannonball kid. (laughs) Was he not? Guys, as we'll see through Gideon, the gap between us and God expresses itself through fragile faith. It expresses itself through fragile faith that leads to disobedience. It also expresses itself in other ways that we're going to see through Gideon how we view God, it expresses itself in how we view ourselves. It expresses itself in how we view God and what he has done in the past and what he's doing now. It expresses itself in in many different ways, and we're going to see that in the Scripture today. In Gideon, we see an all-too-familiar heart condition within him. But we shouldn't point the finger at Gideon. Guys, we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at ourselves when we come to God's Word. In Gideon, we see hesitation, right? Hesitation, hesitation delayed obedience questions ifs and whys and hows and buts right and fragile faith we see fragile faith today we're going to see fragile faith but we're going to see God God's the star of this show we're going to see God in his grace bolster bolster Gideon's faith and grow his obedience so we're going to learn four reasons why Four reasons why we have fragile faith. And then along with those reasons, we're going to learn four ways to fill that gap between us and God when it comes to faith and obedience and our response to him. So guys, the first uh, six verses, verses one through six, verses one through six, it'll be up there on the screen. Uh, This is just, I want to lay out some background and some context, okay? Okay. Uh, the, we're not going to get into the four points yet. Uh, this is background and context, verses one through six. Allow me to open up my, my Bible. So the scripture says this. I hear pages turning, it's beautiful. It says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Medean seven years. And the hand of Medean overpowered Israel. And because of Medean, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So guys, it's 1169 B.C. I love putting dates in my sermons, because this is real stuff. This is historical fact. It's 1169 BC. We're about 200 years into the book of Judges. I know we've been through like, what, five sermons or so? It doesn't seem like 200 years, but as you read scripture, that's what it is. We're about uh, almost 200 years into the book of Judges, and the Israelites are in a downward spiral in Judges. They're in a downward spiral, spiral of idolatry and disobedience to God, and we've been through four cycles of it so far. Four cycles. It's this cycle of God delivers them from oppression, right? They come back to God. They experience rest. They get complacent. They lack faith, right? And then they go back to idols. They go back to idols, and then they're oppressed again, and then they cry out to God, and then God comes and delivers them, (laughs) and again and again and again. Sounds familiar. Yeah. God delivers them from oppression. (laughs) In the previous scripture, last week, how did it end? It ended in celebration, right? A song, a literal song of praise and worship. That's how last week ended. Man, now the tone just completely changes immediately. Israelites, Israelites, they had 40 years of rest, and then they got complacent and they went back to their idols. And now they've been under oppression by the Midianites for seven years. For seven years. God, he lets the Midianites loose on them. And back then, really, there's three things that are certain. Death, taxes, and the Midianites. That's what life was like. We can can relate. I know. We can relate. The Midianites were always harassing and attacking Israel. They weren't always doing it, though. You read in the Scripture, only when they planted crops. They only did it when they tried to do something. You feel that way? Maybe Satan's attacking you, but really, not when you're comfortable. It's only when you try to do something. Right? Then he comes and attacks you. Imagine just like, like brewing the perfect pot of coffee with the perfect grind, perfect mixture of water, and then somebody every single morning coming behind you and snatching it and just crashing it on the ground and doing that for seven years. I know you guys love your coffee. I thought that might speak to your heart. Guys, persistent, unrepentant disobedience leads to overpowered, tormented, exhausted hearts with no sustenance. We become overpowered, so where are who are they going to cry out to? A rich God or broke idols? They cry out to God. Let's give them credit for that. All right, so there's verses 1 through 6, verses 7 through 10. Verses 7 through 10. Now, I want to use this to kind of lay a foundation for us, okay? Because this is going to be huge for the rest of the Scripture. It's a long Scripture, too. We've been taking these long, long Scriptures. So verses 7 through 10, I'm going to lay a foundation. And after that, we're going to hit it. Verses 7-10. through 10. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed the Lord. Before sending a deliverer, God first sends them a prophet to preach a sermon. <laughs> Sometimes we're tired of hearing sermons, right? God sends a prophet to preach a sermon. Seriously? Seriously, God, just make this go away. Just make this go away. But we see, we, we want to escape our circumstances, do we not? We want to escape our circumstances, but God wants us to understand them. He wants us to give us insight about our circumstances. Okay? We want absence of pain. We want absence of pain when God wants to educate us in his way of holiness. By walking with us through the pain. Through the pain. So God, He's trying to get a message across. And what's the message? It's not so much about them as it is it's about God. This is about God. It's all about God. About who He is and what He's done. Remember that. This is all about God and who He is and what He's done. God reminds them of what he did almost 300 years ago in the exodus from Egypt. Why? Why? Why not just like remind them of something that happened 40 years ago, like the deliverance by Deborah and Barak, or the other deliverances during the time of Jesus? Why does he go all the way back to 300 years? God is always doing that. As you read through the Old Testament Scriptures, he is always, always pointing back to the salvation from Egypt, the exodus from Egypt. Why? Because it's the foundational, foundational salvation event that he's using as a memorial for them to remember. Don't forget what I did to you. We wouldn't even be here right now in the promised land if it wasn't for that. Right? Well, that really was just a precursor for the coming of Jesus, and our exodus from our slavery to sin. Why do you think we're always pointing back to the cross? Why? We're always pointing back to the cross. Because the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection is the foundational salvation event for mankind. That's why we're always pointing back to the cross of Christ. The crucified and resurrected Christ is the place God wants us to continuously go to, to be reminded of. Never forget this. It's the same thing. It's what he's doing here, only in the Old Testament in Judges. God is always revealing his immense love and grace on the cross and stacking it up against our faithlessness because he knows our affection for him, it's only going to grow When we see the two clearly for what they are, right? God's faithfulness and our faithlessness. So, our faith and obedience really to Him, it rests on not anything that we do, not on anything that we do. It rests on who God is and what He's done. We get our strength for obedience from God, from God. So God revealed himself to Israel in the Exodus in unprecedented ways and now fully in Jesus Christ. So there, we've teed up the scripture. You guys have been waiting, I know. We've teed up the scripture, laid out the backgrounds. We've got the, we, we, we've got the foundation, Let's so let's hit it now. Verses 11 through 16, we're going to get to our four points here. And two points are going to come out of verses 11 through 16. The scripture says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. Not Oprah. Ophrah, which belongs to Josh the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites as one man. So after the sermon, God raises up Gideon as a judge to deliver Israel. Gideon, Gideon is the next guy, he's the next judge. Gideon is a complicated and conflicted individual. He's a timid farmer. With fragile faith. He's walking by sight. He's not walking by faith. So, the first two points I want to talk about are in these verses. So, Gideon, he acknowledges what God has done in the past, has he not? We read that in the scripture in verse 13. But he's not seeing what he's doing now. God, I saw what you did then. I'm just not seeing this. Why is this happening to me right now? Does this sound familiar? We ask these same questions. God, I know what you've done, but what have you done for us lately? That's basically what Gideon is asking. What have you done for me lately? I don't care about back then. That's done. That's gone. What have you done for me lately, God? That's basically what Gideon is saying. But God, he just told them why this is happening in verse 10. You have not obeyed the Lord. This is why this is happening. Gideon's not listening Our faith is fragile. This is the first point. Our faith is fragile because there's a giant gap between our view of what God has done in the past and our view of what God is doing now. Okay? In our short-sightedness, in our short-sightedness, we don't connect the two. We don't connect the two together. Maybe we know about God and what he's done, but we fail to see, we fail to see what he's doing now and why the trouble in our lives have come now. We just don't believe God's in it anymore. God, you were with me then. I don't think you're with me right now. That's how a lot of us feel. That's how we feel. This is what keeps us from obedience. Seeing God what did in the past and understanding that He is still with me. He is with me now. He's with me now. Guys, but when God seems absent, right? We begin to think he's really just a one-hit wonder. Do we not? We think God is a one-hit wonder, but he's not a one-hit wonder. We fill the gap. This is how we fill the gap. It's not magic. We fill the gap by trusting that God is not a one-hit wonder. He came through for us once. He will do it again. He will do it again because He said so. It's His Word. Do we trust His Word? It's all about His Word and what He says. Do we trust that? All of God's past was for our benefit and it led to Christ. Even before we were alive, God was working for us. And all of his current promises right now for us find their yes in Christ. In Christ, God is always working. It doesn't matter how it feels. Maybe if you feel like he's not working, he is. Our faith lives and dies by God's word. By his word. Man, so the second one, the second point in these verses, this is probably a big one for me. I don't know about you guys. God calls Gideon. God calls Gideon a mighty man of valor in verse 12. Gideon views himself as weak and of the least in verse 15. Well, which one's true? Both. Both are true. But you see God knows something about Gideon that is in him that Gideon isn't seeing about himself. God sees something in him. God sees us. He sees our hearts. Our faith is fragile. Here's the second point. Our faith is fragile because there's a giant gap between what we think about ourselves and what God thinks about us in Christ. There's a giant gap there. We often fail to be obedient to God because we just can't get past ourselves. Can we not? Yeah. Amen, we cannot get past ourselves. I'm watching through the Harry Potter movies right now. I love movies. So I'm watching through the Harry Potter movies, and then the first one, Potter meets uh, uh, Hagrid for the first time. Hagrid's like, you are a wizard. Harry's like, well, no. I'm just Harry. (laughs) Harry doesn't know something that is in him already that Hagrid sees. We want to have a healthy view of our weakness, but not at the expense of who we are in Christ. Not at the expense of who we are in Christ. And we fill the gap. This is how we fill the gap. We fill the gap by continuously reminding ourselves through his word, through his word who we are in Christ. And as we grow, more and more like Christ, we get his eyes and we see things. We see things as he sees things. We see ourselves as he sees ourselves. Right? In Romans 8, 37, what does Paul say? He says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Christ. Do we believe that about ourselves? (laughs) And not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. We have victory, but it's overwhelming victory. Are we living like that? Do we believe that? You know, God calls everybody who calls upon his name saints. It's not just for a select few that performed a couple miracles here and there. We're all saints in Christ. Do you feel like a saint? (laughs) Let's be honest. Not all the time. I don't always feel like a saint. I wake up in the morning, man, my hair is messed up and just my breath stinks and I got my daughter just tugging on my ankle and I don't feel like a saint all the time. But this is God's Word. We have to go back to God's Word. In Christ... Despite our fears and our failures, God sees us as saints. We are more than conquerors. In Christ, God is confident in us because everything about godliness and about obedience has already been implanted with us when we receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's already been implanted within us. So now it's just merely a matter of growing and appropriating what's already in us and who we are in Christ. The Lord wants you to believe what he says about you. It's really not about what I think about myself. It's about getting God's eyes. God, what do you say about me? Do we believe that? Do we trust his word? His word. Verses 17 through 23. Scripture says, And he said to him, If, if, now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you, and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an epa of flour, the meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, "'Take the meat in the unleavened cakes "'and put them on this rock "'and pour the broth over them.' "'And he did so. "'Then the angel of the Lord reached out "'the tip of the staff that was in his hand "'and touched the meat in the unleavened cakes. "'And fire sprang up from the rock "'and consumed the meat in the unleavened cakes. "'And the angel of, and the, angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. "'Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. "'And Gideon said, "'Alas, O Lord God!' For now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. I'm going to address this scripture in a little bit. I'm going to address that scripture in a little bit. Let's move on to verses 24 through 32. Verses 24 through 32. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. That night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal Baal, that your father has, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering. With the wood of the asher that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. So, in these verses, is our third point. Gideon's first assignment is to destroy the altar of Baal. As God delivers Israel, the idols must be destroyed. The idols must be destroyed. Guys, deliverance from our slavery to sin, it it doesn't just arrive when we come to the Lord's altar in our lives. We can't do it without destroying the altar of Baal, the idols in our lives. Jesus won't share room in our hearts with idols. He will not do it. He won't do it. When something goes up, something else must come down. Something else must come down. Jesus up, idols down. Jesus up, idols down. This is what keeps us from obedience in our lives. We say we're Christian. We're doing all the right things. We're reading scripture. You know, whatever it is, we we look like a Christian. We say we're Christian, and yet we're keeping idols in our heart, and we wonder why we're not growing. We wonder why we don't feel right. We wonder why we're tormented and exhausted and overpowered because there's an idol in our heart. Jesus won't share a room with it. He won't share a room with it. So our third point, our faith is fragile because there is a giant gap between us and God because there is an idol in our lives. There is an idol in our lives that we aren't destroying. We can't can't fill the gap. We can't fill the gap with Jesus and idols. We can't fill the gap with Jesus and idols. When we do, disobedience is right around the corner. It's right around the corner. So how do we fill the gap? We fill the gap not just by filling it with Jesus, but we fill the gap by emptying the gap. (laughs) We fill it by emptying it with our idols. Laying the idols out. God... I confess, I am idolizing these things in my life and I don't want it anymore. Take it from me. He will answer that prayer, I promise you. He loves that prayer. God, take these idols away from me. Maybe it's food. It could be a lot of things. Maybe it's the idol of success or money. We have to have money, but it doesn't have to be an idol. we got to eat, but it doesn't have to be an idol. Maybe it's accomplishment or career or it's so many things. So many things. Our car, a car. We have to put them away. Confess them to God. We fill the gap by emptying the gap of our idols. So moving along. Verses 33 through 35. A couple verses here. Verses 33 through 35. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together. And they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet. And the Abizrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. So the pressure is mounting, the Midianites are coming back. They're coming back, ready to destroy the pressure is mounting. They're on their heels. And what does Gideon do? What does Gideon do? Verses 36 through 40. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hands, as you have said, Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, Then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was due. What does Gideon do? More signs. More signs. This is where our fourth and final point is. Gideon wants signs that it's God who is speaking to him and that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. Gideon is questioning God's word. He's questioning God's word. Earlier in verses 17 through 23, I said I'd come back to that. What did he say? Give me a sign. It is you who speaks to me. Give me a sign. It is you who speaks to me. And then now, give me a sign that you will save Israel by my hands. Gideon, he's a reflection of the nation of Israel. They don't know God right now. They forget who God is. We learned that in chapter 2, verse 10 of Judges when Keith preached. All this is happening because they forget who God is. They forget His Word. So, When an angel of the Lord comes, Gideon's just like, dude, who's this? He doesn't trust. He doesn't trust. He's a reflection of the nation of Israel. They've forgotten the Lord and his works. They have forsaken him. In his grace, though, God obliges. This is amazing. God obliges Gideon, giving him not that first sign, but a second and third sign. What more do you need? But Gideon is still, no matter the signs, he's still going to have to depend on God's word. He's still going to have to depend on God's word. Now guys, God won't always do this. In fact, he rarely does. We can't take this scripture in 1169 BC and put it to today on this side of the cross. We can't do that. Guys, we can't say, give me a sign that I should forgive my friend in Colorado. In fact, I'll know you want me to forgive my friend in Colorado if I see five license plates on the road from Colorado. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Today the greatest means of God's confirmation of who he is and what he wants to do is his word. If you want God's guidance and confirmation, don't ask for God, don't ask for signs. Study your Bibles. Study your Bibles. This is what God has given us. If you want to know who God is and what He wants to do, Christ on the cross is the ultimate sign. I have given you the resurrection. <laughs> is that not enough of a sign? But it always comes back to trusting it and believing in that. That's our fourth point. Our faith is fragile because there's a giant gap between how God views Himself. And how we view God. And how we view God. We don't trust Him. We don't trust what He says about Himself, that He is who He says He is in His Word. We don't trust that it's God who is calling us and commanding us through His Word. How do we fill the gap? We fill the gap by aligning, by aligning our view of God with what he has revealed about himself in Christ through his word. That's how we align our view with God. That's how we fill the gap. We fill it by knowing Jesus. We fill it by knowing Jesus through his word. And the more he becomes a reality, the more obedience becomes a reality. God gave us all the signs we need in his word. The ultimate sign is the resurrection. Guys, I want to say this. Signs don't equal obedience. Signs don't equal obedience. Faith does. Faith does. Many saw Jesus' miracles and His signs. Did they not? Many didn't believe. They saw all the signs that Jesus did and they still didn't believe. Signs don't equal obedience. Faith does. Faith and trusting in God's word, and what he says about himself and who he is. It's not the signs that are going to drive you to obedience, it's just simple and growing faith. This isn't magic. Simple and growing faith in the once and for all sign of Christ. I want to conclude on some things. Guys, it's all about that foundation that we set earlier in the Scripture. This is all about God. This is about God and what He's done and who He is. It's about who He is and what He's done. The star of this show isn't Gideon. It's God. God condescending Himself. Condescending Himself down to Gideon's level to play Gideon's games. What an amazing God that is. He doesn't have to do that. And showing grace and moving Gideon along and growing his faith and developing his obedience. We see Gideon growing in faith and developing in his obedience. Our obedience to what God wants us to do comes not from our own strength, but from who God is. It comes from His strength and power through Christ. Look what he says earlier in the Scripture. It is... It is it. He always goes back to himself. He never answers Gideon's questions. He never does. What does he he say? The first thing he said in verse 14, is it not I who send you? Is that enough reason for you to obey? Because I'm asking, I'm not asking, I'm telling you. This is my word. Is it not I who sends you? I send you. Verse 16, I will be with you. He says, I will be with you. Verse 23, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. This is God's word. These statements have a history. Everything we need is supplied in these statements. I will be with you. God said them to Moses. He said them to Joshua. He says them to Gideon. Gideon's obedience depends on God's word, not his own strength. And Jesus says the words to us today. I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Do we trust this? Our fragile faith becomes solid faith when we fill the gap. By faith, connecting our past with with God to what he's doing now. Knowing God is not a one-hit wonder. God, you're in this. I know you're in this. I know you're in this. I trust you. Our fragile faith becomes solid when we fill the gap by humbly acknowledging our weakness, but confidently living and, and, and trusting in who God says we are in Christ. Living in he, who we, he says we are. Also by allowing Jesus into our hearts, but also destroying destroying the idols in our lives. That's how we fill the gap. And then also by knowing God through Christ, aligning our view of God with what he has revealed in himself in Christ. Do we believe? We don't fill the gap with New Age philosophies or day-changing quotes from Oprah Winfrey. That's not how we fill the gap. I know we love quotes, Oprah quotes, and all kinds of other stuff. I know we fill the gap with the life-changing words of Jesus. Jesus isn't just the end. He's the means and the end. He's the means and the end. Guys, we obey God's command to love our neighbor because God first loved us in Christ. We obey God's command to forgive because God first forgave us in Christ. That's why we obey. That's his word. We show grace because God first was gracious with us in Christ. We show mercy because God was first merciful with us in Christ. It's because of God and what he's done. If I should forgive, show me a sign that I should forgive. Show me a sign that I should forgive. God already did and Christ forgiving you. There's your sign. Show me a sign. If I should love my neighbor, show me a sign. God already did. God already did, and Christ loving you and dying for you. There's your sign. Go do it. By faith. And whatever he's calling you uniquely and specifically to do is going to be through his word, not license plates. Not license plates. How are you testing God? How are you delaying obedience? Where do you need to fill the gap? Where are you responding to God's commands and his call with ifs and hows and whys and buts? We don't need to ask these questions. All we have to do to hear from God and be instructed by God is be led by his word. Be led by God and who he is and what he says and we can have confidence in his word. Today, God has bolstered Gideon's fragile faith by filling the gaps between himself and Gideon. Next week? Next week we're going to we're going to Gideon. He's going to become a cannonball kid. This scripture next week is awesome. You guys better be here. Gideon is saying yes. He's saying yes to God. And God has thrown him in the deep end. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, God, for your word. Lord, thank you for your word. That you would condescend yourself, Lord, and play our games. You would play our games, God, because you want us, God. You want a, an intimate love relationship with us, God, and we do not deserve any bit of that. And yet you want it. And you've made it happen, Lord. God, I'm, I pray that anybody who doesn't know you, God, anybody who doesn't know your son, Jesus, um, that they just, they're just they responsive to these words, Lord, and uh, soften their hearts and uh, hold them in your arms, God, and, and sh- reveal yourself to them, God, because that's what it is. Reveal yourself. It's not us about learning about things about you and information, God. It's you revealing us yourself to us in an intimate personal way. God, help us fill the gaps. God, we need you to do this, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.